Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. All right, what's going on, guys? Got Annika Sword Sam on the podcast this week. What a player she has been over the over the years, right? She's had a, a comeback recently, but it was amazing that she retired at age of 38 with 10 majors, right? 72 LPGA Tour wins. That's third all time. So really, an amazing career. Eight money lists that she's won over the years. Eight-time LPGA Tour Player of the Year. I mean, just so many accolades when you look at her career. So what a player and. The first time I ever went to a, a golf tournament, actually, growing up in Sacramento, California, there's really not any tour stops at all <laughs> in that area. I guess there was the Gold Rush Classic back in the day, but I never made that out to uh, never made it out to that uh, Champions Tour event. So what I did make it to for the first time at the age of 13, I think it was, 1998 Long's Drugs Challenge LPGA Tour event in Lincoln, California. It's at 12 Bridges. And Annika Sorensen was out there, and clearly, at that time, think about, on the LPGA Tour, the, the big draw, right? I mean, you got Kari Webb, of course, was big, but this is the era of, you know, Kelly Robbins, Helen Alfredson, uh, Julie Inkster, a lot of players like that, Meg Mallon, but clearly, a, a tournament like this, it was all about Annika. She, those were the where the galleries were, that's where all the crowds were. And I was, what struck me, that my takeaway from that first round was a Saturday in April, I think it was, in 1998, which is watching how stoic she was, right? She's a competitor. You know, she would end up winning 10 majors in, in her career, but she had just such a stoic kind of workman-like mentality. She, yes, she she enjoyed the fans afterwards, signed like crazy. Signed, she signed shirts, she signed hats, all, all kinds of stuff, and had a great time with the fans, but she was just very serious inside the ropes, and I think that's something... We remember she was a, a workout-aholic for a while, right? She was always working out, it seemed like, in, in those early 2000s as well on her way to major championship wins. And so there was this kind of a way she went about things uh, that helped her, right? And it's funny. I had that thought with me as I met her really technically for the first time, 2013, as a reporter, I was covering the Callaway Invitational. Of course, she's been with Callaway forever. But this is a tournament in Pebble Beach. It's like the week of... Excuse me, I should say it's the week before Thanksgiving. Very laid back. You got players from all the different tours that go out there. And it's a fun event. It really, really is. And so she was out there with her husband and playing in that event. And I remember just talking to her. And the very first question I had afterwards, um, approached her in the morning, introduced myself. She said, hey, I'd love to chat with you after. It would be great. You know, let's catch up on the 18th green or behind the 18th green. So we ended up doing that. And my first question was, well, I want to ask you about a young player like Lydia Ko, right? Lydia at that point was 16. She had just gotten her first LPGA Tour win. This is 2013. And I was curious, what are your thoughts on a young star, superstar, rising star like that? And she said, funny to throw back to kind of my observation about her, her in her prime, Annika, being such a serious person. She's like, you know what? Like, I kind of wish... I see, I see how smiley Lydia is. I kind of wish I would have smelled the flowers a little bit more back in my career, right? So it was funny that it took a younger player like that with all smiles all the time to kind of have that almost regret is the way she framed it, uh, looking back on things. So, you know, maybe she would have, uh, you know, 
<laughs> soak things in a little bit more um, as she went along her career. That was kind of her, her thoughts on Lydia, but she loved Lydia's game. And it's funny, in this podcast, this was done, forgive me, it's been a few months, well, quite a few months. March, This was I was at Bay Hill. This is the day after she, she played in the Pro-Am. So it's Thursday at Bay Hill, early March when this was recorded of this year. And I asked her about another young phenom coming along the way, a young superstar on the LPGA Tour, um, Lydia Ko. No, Nellie Corda. What are her initial impressions of this player? What kind of, uh, what does she see with her? What kind of ceiling does she have? So we get into Nellie, some analysis on uh, what Annika sees from Nellie's game. And this is also another player she talked about, we asked her about. She played with John Rahm in the Pro-Am there at Bay Hill, met him for the first time. Uh, these are, of course, two absolute dominant European players for both of their respective teams. When you think about Ryder Cup, Solheim Cup, so it was interesting just to to ask her thoughts on on, on Rom. Well, what are her initial impressions on John Rom after meeting him just uh, what 24 hours before? So we get into that as well. Lots to soak in. Now I do apologize. A little little quality issue. It was loud. I was in the media center when I did this Zoom interview with with Annika, so the quality is not as good as it could have been. It's great on her end, uh, but just loud in there a little bit. So apologies on on my microphone there. I do have a couple of notifications that came up, so you'll hear kind of that notification beep as well on on the computer and the recording here with the Zoom. But just bear with me there. Now the length of this this was going to be about twenty five minutes, and I had some. It was one of those days, right? I had tech issues. I had Wi Fi issues. Ended up being ten minutes in total. But we got Annika here talking about a number of different topics, including. It is dated, but we did talk about the U.S. Open, her win at Pine Needles in 96, and how she was going to go back there and play in her first U.S. Women's Open in what, <laughs> gosh, it feels like decades, right? Um, because she had won the Senior Women's Open to qualify there in 2021. Remember, at the age of 50, she came out and won that thing. So we, we get into topics like that. We talk about our game, weekend golfers. Like, what are some ways we can get better? Annika's tips for our pre-round routine, right? What are her pre-round routine? What did that look like? Uh, now and, and and over the years, so so good tips overall from Annika, and, and also some stuff. Uh, of course, my favorite topic in the world, the home of golf, St Andrews. We're going to get into that as well. Uh, what's it like to golf in Scotland from her perspective? This is a, a superstar with with a lot of knowledge, and she's played all around the world, uh, growing up in Sweden and and playing so many Open Championships. So some great uh, insight on Scottish golf, Irish golf as well. And also a big thank you to Mike McGee, who's the husband and manager for Annika. Uh, he had actually a viral tr- tweet, a viral video uh, from the match that went out uh, when he posted video of Annika coming up and surprising Tiger by his cart and introducing him to her son, Will. Uh, I guess their son, Will. Uh, but if you follow on Instagram, it's at Mike McGee Annika. And you'll see the awesome video. Just real kind of a genuine reaction from Tiger. Natural, a lot of fun. Just showed kind of a very gentle, approachable side of him. So Goat recognizes Goat, as my friend Jeff Eisenband said on Twitter, uh, quoting that that video. So anyway, thanks to Mike McGee for making this happen. And let's get to it. Annika Sorenstam on Beyond the Clubhouse. Annika Sorenstam, you know her. <laughs> Ten-time major winner on the LPGA Tour. What's going on today? How are you these days? I'm doing well. I was out at Bay Hill yesterday for the Arnold Palmer Invitational, um, spending some time with my partner, uh, MasterCard. And uh, today I'm home catching up. Just came from the gym, as you can see. Uh, I'm heading out to hit some balls in a little bit. And uh, and then tomorrow I'll be back at the tournament and maybe even support it during the weekend with the family. So great week to be in Orlando. And in Florida, it's beautiful out here. 
Absolutely. Well, you mentioned being at the at this tournament. You played with John Rahm in the Pro-Am. Had you ever played with him before? What were your impressions with John? Yeah, no, I haven't. I, I, I really enjoyed it. What a nice guy. Just uh, super friendly. And of course, he can play, as we all know. It was nice to see him, you know, going about his business, just watching him and, but, you know, talking to him, talk to, you know, we play with Charles Kelly, who's also one of the singer for, from Lady A, I guess is what they call himself now. And then uh, Raj, who's uh, one of the main guys uh, from, from MasterCard. So it was a great group. We had a lot of fun. The course is in great shape. And um, no, I mean, I think Raman and I, we have a few things in common other than, you know, not being just a European, but, you know, we have, um, Rolex is a partner at the same time as Callaway. So it's nice to kind of be able to meet in person and spend some time together. Absolutely. There's a lot of great young players, great European players, as you know, in both the women's and the men's <laughs> game right now. I want to talk about your golf game for a minute. The U.S. Women's Open, you committed to that back at Pine Needles. Here you are as a senior Open winner from last year. What an amazing opportunity. Like, How much are you looking forward to this, going back to Pine Needles? Oh, very much so. I'm, I'm super excited, and I appreciate the invite from the USJ. And, you know, I just wanted to express my gratitude for that. Uh, as you know, Pine Needles has a, a special place in my heart. This is where as you, I won there in 1996, my second U.S. Open, and I was a good friend of Peggy Kirkbell, who unfortunately not will be with us. But, um, you know, it's just had some great memories. You know, the USGA to me is, uh, you know, such a big organization, and they've done a lot for women's golf, and so I want to support it. And, and of course, with all the young girls that go through Downing Foundation, I feel like it's going to be neat to be walking and be part of the event as much as some of them will be. Oh, I'm sure at this point in your career, so many different people you've influenced with that with that foundation. It's been a, a great thing in golf. I want to ask you about other young players. Nelly Corda, what a talent she is, number one in the world. What What are your impressions of Nelly? Oh, I am. A, I'm a big fan of Nelly. Uh, I think she's great <laughs> for the game and a great ambassador of the game. And uh, she's fun to play with. Obviously, her skills talk for herself, and she's done so incredibly well. I think we're going to see her for a while. But you know, it's impressive. She hits it a long ways and. Got good touch around the greens, and I mean, that's all you can ask for. So it's good to see that women's golf is in good hands. Absolutely. Well, speaking of being in good hands, you've been in uh, some amazing places, amazing venues all over the world. I remember seeing you at Pebble Beach in 2010, the day after the U.S. Open, the GMAC won, what, 12 <laughs> years ago now. St. Andrews, though, I want to get to that. What an amazing venue that is. Do you remember the feeling, the first time being there, St. Andrews? Oh, yeah. You know, I've been lucky to play there a few times. I played there as an amateur in the St. Helen Trophy, I think it's called, <laughs> an amateur event. And uh, no, I mean, it's kind of the home of golf. I mean, you, a lot of people know the history of it. It's just so special, the holy grounds of the game of golf and, uh, you know, how golf is just perceived over there, the links courses, the conditions and just, I don't know, I just love, I love playing links courses and, you know, with, you know, the clubhouse behind the first tee and the 18th green is just so special and St. Andrews, the, you know, the town on its own, the little pubs and the little shops and everything. Yeah. It's just really cool. Yeah. Well, the Scottish people, that's a big part of it. What do you make of kind of like running into these locals that they love their golf? Oh, they do. And they know golf. I mean, they are, they're educated and they appreciate their game. And, um, you know, what's interesting is the golf course closes on Sundays. <laughs> you know, right. a lot of times people out there walking their dog, it's like a big park. So, uh, no, the culture is just very different, but I love it. I think it's uh, it's just neat to be there. We had a induction Hall of Fame a few years ago, and I thought that was very appropriate. So, yeah, I think it's got so much history, and it's fun to have been a part of it. Absolutely. Well, golf in Scotland, if, if you could just speak to the audience, the golf fans who've never played in Scotland, what would you say to them? 
I would say that if you haven't played golf in Scotland, you really haven't played uh, the real golf and you haven't really experienced it. So I think that should be on your bucket list. I mean, playing golf in Scotland is just a true experience. You know, it's uh, golf is different. It's, you know, you play from A to B and you, 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 you attack the elements as they, as they come to you. You will see double greens. You will see people putting from 50 yards uh, from the green. And, you know, the experience with caddies is just something else. You know, the, the passion and the love for the game is just something you should experience. And, you know, it's just, it is so unique. And if, uh, so if you get a chance, uh, please take it. Yeah. Well, you mentioned passion, the same thing in Ireland. There are some great golf courses on the Emerald Isle. What's been your experience so far in Ireland at golf? Oh, I love, I love Ireland. You know, we played Soham Cup was there. I played um, amateur championship there. Um, you know, I've been there a few times. I just love, I mean, I know the courses might be a little similar, like Scottish courses, but obviously the people are a little different. So you got to make sure you get a little Irish taste, a little Irish culture. But I love it. I mean, it's just a beautiful place to be and the landscape. And and uh, I mean, I just feel like that's, you know, the tradition of the game. Definitely. Well, as we're talking to amateur golfers at home, weekend golfers for our warm up, you know, you have a great warm up routine over the years. Uh, tried and true for you. What is kind of the go-to warm-up we, mindset we need to have in the 20 minutes we're at the course, so get, getting ready on yeah. the range? I know. I think sometimes, you know, people can get ready mentally before you get physically ready. A lot of people are just, you know, driving really fast to the parking lot and then get the clubs and off they go. But start thinking about the shots. Start thinking about, you know, where you're going to be. And but most of all, forget about what you did earlier and focus where you are now. Um, but if you have time to warm up, I say, you know, tempo is really important, just getting your body loose, hit a few shots with the shorter shots, and then maybe finish with a driver. But, you know, you want to make sure that you also have a chance to, to hit a few putts to find the speed of the green. You don't want to waste three, four holes by. So you can still do that. You can still achieve all that in 20 minutes. And what's your process like when you get to the range in that part of the of the warm up, getting ready for a round? How do you how do you go through it? How long is everything? Well, my routine is an hour and 15 minutes, and that includes, you know, the short game, putting, chipping, bunker, and then I hit full, full shots, and and then I finish with some wedges. And then, you know, I think, but, you know, somebody just start thinking about when you're on the range, start thinking about the first hole. When you hit a driver, maybe start thinking about this is the shot I need on number one. And when you hit, you know, some iron shots, maybe you can, if you played there before, maybe visualize a shot going on the green so that mentally you're ready. A lot of people, they rush to the tee, and all they think about is, you know, where they need to be going, you know, after the round, like maybe I got to pick up this, I got to do that. Or maybe they even bring some meeting notes into their mind when they're hitting balls. So make sure that your warm up, you know, has a purpose because that's going to help you too. I love that purpose. What's a good drill that you love around the putting green in general that's good for all of us? Yeah, I think speed is really important. A lot of people focus so much on short parts in the line that they forget about the speed. You know, it doesn't matter what line you have if you don't have the right speed. So there are a lot of right. speed drills out there and, you know, just take, you know, 30, 40 footers. But if you can't find a hole, just putt to the edge of the uh, edge of the green, you know, kind of the cut and see how close you can get to the cut. Therefore, you don't, you're not dependent on what everybody else is, but it's good to just focus on the speed. Speed, definitely. What is your, your biggest go-to in your warm-up routine? Like, what do you, how do you want to feel after you hit your, go through your bag and, and whatnot? What, what's the feeling you need for you? Um, I think, um, a lot of it's just being positive, you know, feeling ready, being prepared and going out there. And of course you want to be loose, but I think just from a mental standpoint, go in there and, and, and believe that you can hit the shots that you need to hit. You know, and a lot of times I find that on the range, I find on the putting green. So I always leave with a good thoughts. 
And, you know, maybe you need to make a short putt to just hear the ball go in the hole. Maybe you hit a, a wedge towards, the, a, you know, a flag and see it being closed. So maybe you take a drive and have a target and kind of hit it somewhere there. Then kind of leave it at that. And then when you get to the first tee, those are the thought, the last thoughts you've had. Fine, for sure. I know you got to go here in just a minute. I just want to wrap up with, um, in your career, there's been amazing things you've done. Um, at one point you told me at Pebble Beach, you wish you would have smelled the roses a little bit more, possibly. Mm -hmm. When we talked about Lydia Ko and the smile we see on her face, smell the roses more. So so what's an example? Where would be an, a regret in your career if you look back? Um, you know, I think it's maybe more after a victory to just kind of soak it in and not feel like you have to move on to the next tournament so quickly and not just feel like you got to constantly work and look at uh, how to improve all the time. Uh, but having said that, I think that helped me to win the next tournament also. But there's a fine line of where you can kind of just sit there and say, you know, that was fun. That was good. You know, I'm proud of you. Um, and then then recharge. So uh, but I feel like I always got the fifth gear going all the time. So it's just cruising. So maybe sometimes slow down and kind of look around your surroundings. Absolutely. Last question. Uh, Solheim Cup. What, what do you make of what, of what we have coming up with that? How excited are you? Oh, it's going to be super exciting. Um, Soham Cup has a, you know, it's been, it's a big part for women's golf. You know, I've been lucky to be a player, a vice captain and a captain. And so, you know, I'll be watching it from afar, but it's exciting. Europe has done so well the last few years. So looking forward to that momentum continuing. Absolutely. Annika Sorensen, great having you on Beyond the Clubhouse. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Take care of yourself. All right, my thanks to Annika for joining me on the pod again. Apologies for the quality of my microphone. Not that strong. Of course, I was in the, the Bay Hill Media Center when this was recorded. Again, this was back in March of this year. So, wow, already, what, nine months ago. So, um, But anyway, hope you guys enjoyed it. It was short and sweet. Um, it ended up being, what, 10, 11 minutes. So hope you guys got something out of that, and uh, we'll, we'll catch up soon here on the podcast.